Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, Ask the Strategists. I'm Jake Burns, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Brian Landerman and Ashit Vashajani. Today, we discussed a customer question. Is there a one-size-fits-all cloud strategy? All right, so a trend that I've noticed in, in uh, my customer conversations, and I'm kind of wondering if you guys are seeing the same thing, is a lot of requests for kind of a boilerplate cloud strategy, you know, kind of like a like an ask for a document um, on cloud strategy. And so I guess my question to you guys is, um, is it possible? Uh, would a generic cloud strategy work for most customers? Or do you think that uh, an enterprise's cloud strategy is something that has to be customized? It's interesting you say that, Jake. Uh, now that you bring it up, I have noticed that trend too a little bit. It manifests itself in different forms, uh, but I've been getting uh, those kind of questions. I think my, uh, the way I think about this, there are common patterns and themes, and there are certain things that apply based on thousands of enterprises taking on this journey. But a strategy has to be within the context of your situation, your goals, what you're trying to do. Uh, so directionally, there are elements that uh, are common, but then you can't look at it as a recipe of here are the exact step and here is everything within those steps that you need to do. That's how that's how I look at that. Yeah. So there's a a quote from Oscar Wilde: um, "Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness." Um, feels relevant here. I totally agree with this shit. I think that you know you've you've really got to make it your own. That's true for whether you're talking about agile transformation, DevOps practices, cloud journey. If it was a one size fits all, we wouldn't be here, right? It would have been done already. I think that's why it's so hard. <laughs> Maybe there is a one size fits all, but it's just difficult, and we haven't arrived on that answer yet, or we haven't come ac- come across or created something comprehensive enough that can cover all the bases. I mean, I'd say that's a, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm saying it's possible. I think you're right. I think there is a strategy that 100% of the time that would be successful if you remove people from the problem. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Get all the politics and all the challenges out of the way. Yeah, sure. (laughs) We could easily consistently migrate application successfully like yes that's possible so are you saying that it's the it's the variety in kind of the people you're dealing with that uh, drives the need for customization it's not uh, kind of other things in the organization like the technology landscape or anything like that I mean it's a complicating factor but to your point like you, it, that too can be figured out yeah it's the people I mean it's it's the politics it's the culture incentive models like all of that is around the people and how they choose to behave every day. And I think that tends to be the problem. Not to say that the people are the problem, but I mean, that's what makes this a challenging journey is that you have to, you have to bring people along and there isn't, there isn't a one size fits all strategy for getting people aligned and bought in to making this change to, to seeing that it's going to be positive from their point of view. That, I think, is what where the one-size-fits-all does not work, and that's why this is such a challenge. I find it interesting that you that you single out people because I think one of the things that I've noticed and, and I've heard other strategists kind of say similar things is that, you know, the people are almost kind of predictable uh, in, in these situations. If you do enough of these customer engagements, you kind of see the same objections, the same challenges, the same personas, right? So, you know, I... 
and, and, and I don't know what the answer is here. I'm really kind of just thinking out loud and trying to, uh, find, you know, wanted to get your guys' opinion so we can maybe, um, if not come to a conclusion, kind of get closer to one. I would think that the people is kind of almost the most predictable part. A broad, like, yes, there's probably a, you could probably categorize everybody into some known bucket. It's the mix of people and where they are in the organization. Like we talk about the frozen middle for a reason. Um, some of it is discovering those things within the organization and and finding ways to work through it. I, I would agree with you. It's it's largely known, but it doesn't mean that you can fix it in one way consistently. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Jake, that a uh, lot of it is predictable, but even if you can predict it, doesn't mean mean that you can actually handle it the same way because it's also the interplay right of people the goal where the organization is what has been the historic appetite for any kind of change not just the cloud the industry that they operate in um and it's the it's that interplay that actually drives even behaviors right because it's not just that people accept certain things and uh resist others uh predictably in all situations. So there are there are underlying foundational uh, organizational behaviors that take root because of something over a period of time. Um, and it's different, right? Because you, a lot of time you see, in fact, I was reading about, um, about some company where there was a question that I think uh, a founder uh, asked the established player, uh, and they're like, well, we hired them from you, <laughs> you know, so um, but we provided a different environment and a different way of working uh, and enabled them to do something different. So it wasn't just a challenge of who they were, but what was the culture and what was the environment that was created for them to operate independently uh, and autonomously. So I think it's the interplay of those. You know, one thing that we've been uh, focused on, I would say, that it was true at Cox Automotive, it's true at Amazon, is you know diversity and inclusion. And one of the things that we talked about within that is that people bring they bring their kind of own unique history that has helped shape their perspective to the table, right, um, intentionally or otherwise. And so I think that is certainly one of the complicating factors. Um, is that while the the behaviors that you might be seeing, you know, perhaps you could categorize and look to understand and and tackle in a consistent way. Uh, I think why that why people are showing up the way they are. Um, there's lots of different reasons why that might be the case, and I think you know people are complex, and and I that that's kind of where I'm coming from. Of like, yes, there are known techniques and and psychological way, right ways to kind of um, meet people where they are and to create safe a safe environment and all of those things that are necessary and change. Um, I, I just have a hard time thinking like you're just going to come in and like do step one, step two. It feels too robotic to say that there's a single strategy. It means that you're not paying enough attention to that, to the kind of the softer side of, of why people are acting the way they are, what their motivations are, what their the history is that that has kind of led to that. I think the second uh, thing that makes it a little bit unique, uh, so people aspect, I agree with you, Brian, uh, is what's the goal and underlying reason you're doing that? And based on that, your strategy uh, and your appetite for risk uh, will be different. Jake, you and I were talking earlier this week about 
uh, opportunity-seeking versus risk-averse personas, right? And uh, depending on, and not, it's not right or wrong. You can be in an industry, you can be in a stage of where your company is, where it's important that risk actually would outweigh the opportunity that you're trying to go for and the pace that you're operating. Or you could be in a different industry, a fast-moving change where you, you're working and approaching this uh, completely in a different direction. But the point is, the strategy will be different based on are you going with an opportunity-seeking mindset or are you going with minimizing risk? Now, there is not a, it, it's not, you can do both, right? And and it's not that just because you're seeking opportunity, you're going to take reckless risk or just because you are uh, managing risk doesn't mean that you're not innovating. But the point is your strategy and in order in which you do things or what you emphasize on will be different based on what the goal of your migration and modernization is or move to the cloud is. I love that. That takes me back to a, a recent podcast we did where we were talking about expectations aligning with the risk you know you're looking to avoid and and making sure that you're kind of bringing your expectations down as a result of the things you're unwilling to do or whatever else. I think you're right that that um, varying environment right of of willingness to commit like if to your point, I think if you committed wholly to the entire you know put everything on the table in the entire journey and there were no caveats then maybe we'd be closer to a single strategy, but that's not the reality. So um, one of the other things I noticed, um, and maybe you guys can help with this, is that you know um, people tend to have different definitions for, for things. And I think strategy is one of those words that people have different definitions for. And you know, I think a lot of times we have these meetings and these conversations and uh, there, there, there's a misalignment because we don't kind of agree um, on what, what a strategy actually is maybe coming into it. So, uh, maybe we could just take a minute and kind of try to define what, a, what, what is a cloud strategy exactly? My least favorite questions generally are the definition that are academic definitions. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, so when somebody says, well, what do you mean by data-driven enterprise? It's generally, or, you know, what do you mean by, uh, an agile organization or digital transformation? Um, right. My answers tend to be more of a long-winded, somewhat long-winded explanation of here are the behaviors, here are the types, then here is a definition. So I, I would struggle with defining what the cloud strategy is. In my mind, though, it is uh, succinctly. I would struggle to define it succinctly, right? But um, right. in my mind, it's really um, what you are trying to do uh, and where you are and a map to go from where you are to where you're trying to go. Got it. Right? But I, when I say map, it is not a set map, right? I mean, if you, if I want to go from here to there, even if I put it in Google Maps, I'll get three different options to go there. Uh, and based on whether I'm trying to optimize for mileage, I'm trying to optimize for time, I'm trying to optimize for how much toll I'm willing to pay, or hey, I want to take a scenic route and this is what I want to do and I want to stop here for lunch or dinner or whatever, I may choose different paths. But that's how I kind of look at strategy. I agree with that. The, the vision high-level uh, direction for going from your your current point to some improved position, right? I, I think that's... So yeah, it's important to look at the the business reasons to do that. What are the drivers? What are the 
what are the things that you're unable to accomplish today that you need to and 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 what why does that matter to the business i think is the a really important starting point and where i i feel like a, most most customers un- understand that but it's like we quickly get past that and it's like okay well, yeah so we want to for those these reasons now let's go really deep on the technology we like quickly move past the business drivers which is why i think oftentimes we get lost in terms of the people and process side. So Jake, while I think, you know, your question was really about our opinion about this kind of one size fits all cloud strategy and we've shared a bit of our opinion, the reality is that we're still formulating our opinion. And I was recently talking with a colleague um Wesley Story who, you know, he and I were trying to to stub this out and say, well, what could that look like? And we're still figuring it out, but what I'd say is where we've landed is that we believe there's probably a quick start where you know we could ask somebody a set of questions about what's going on in their environment and and put together a reasonable kind of starting point for a strategy um, where where I think your strategy, especially in terms of cloud, starts to get pretty complicated and unique is where you bring all the financials in. Right, so building a business case to support your strategy is a different story. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that that is a one size fits all. There's, there's definitely techniques, and I mean, there's a whole cloud economics group here at AWS, right, that can help with that. But I think the broader, hey, what's going on in the business? What are our business objectives? Let's talk about what the future could look like, and then we can bring best practices forward to say, well, here's how we've seen customers approach it. Like here are the things that you would do, the kind of high level plan or approach. Um, I do think that, that that high level kind of kickstart is is possible to, to kind of easily create for customers. Yeah. It's interesting, again, uh, that you mentioned the financials, because I think that's also something that uh, could be, you know, a mechanism, like a repeatable mechanism, right? And and you, you talked about cloud econ. They certainly have one. I think that could be expanded uh, to be like the financial part of your cloud strategy, right? So, you know, if we're talking about people, we're talking about financials, these are kind of like the two examples so far of like why we can't do this. I see those two as maybe, I don't want to say like the easiest parts, but like not insurmountable problems for finding. No. I, right. You know, like a. I agree. Guide, maybe maybe we shouldn't call it like you know a, a set in stone uh, strategy, but like uh, common guidelines that apply to virtually all customers. I think if you take our high frequency right and you look at the behaviors and and changing how you go about you know choosing what to work on, how you organize that work, how you execute on that work, um, adopting you know DevOps practices and really driving towards that business agility. So you're taking full advantage of cloud. You have these processes in place where you're adapting to changes in the market, you're connected to your customer, you're responding quickly, that like utopia that we talk about, right? I think that's like, you know, a three to five year journey if you really to (laughs) to like meaningfully emerge into a place where you you look back and you're like, wow, this is very different. That's, that's, I don't know. Is that? Sure. Yeah. So, so I think we're, you know, we're getting somewhere here. So three to five years. And I think those things that you mentioned, those are the things that I think we should define as part of the strategy, right? If we, and again, I know I started off by saying boilerplate and maybe that's kind of like an extreme kind of word and and maybe kind of a, a negative word to use, but kind of, kind of what I'm looking for is like, 
what you know defining what what is the end state what what is the commonality uh that most enterprises have in terms of, of a desired end state and the steps to get to it right and and what are the what are the things that are not going to be common and if we could figure that out then maybe we could put something together that could be kind of a a, a guideline you know i would say that uh jonathan and and thomas's book reaching cloud velocity mm -hmm. is is you know one form of uh, of, of that, like it could work to serve that purpose, but maybe even expanding upon that and saying these are best practices and things that are very common when enterprises try to, to transform in these ways. And we list the kind of ways like going to DevOps, going to cloud, et cetera, going to high frequency, uh, defining what those things are, defining how long it typically takes and what are the you know expected roadblocks and kind of answers to those roadblocks. I think a lot of what we do, right? Uh, our team does. In fact, a lot of what we talk about in the podcast, uh, what we write on our blogs, the book that you mentioned, uh, there are other books by other enterprise strategists. Um, they do that, right? They 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 provide common uh, patterns, anti-patterns, or first-hand experiences. Uh, each one of us have talked about our own experiences where we have approached similar things slightly differently, right? But if you think about overall direction of what we were trying to do, there are a lot of common common elements, whether we talked about CCOE in the past, governance, how we moved from CapEx to OpEx and really financial transparency. So there are common elements, which I think a customer can then take. To me, that is more of a, a sort of broad playbook. It's not a play-by-play -play guidance though. It is not, that is where you have to take those common right. elements and then make it into your own strategy in the context of your organization, your structure, your goals, and your appetite to change. So I I love the way you just stated that. I'm struggling. I think what you said is is right. and But I'm struggling in general to, I don't know why, but I'm picturing like, you know, paying a, a consultant a massive amount of money to come in and like define your strategy, and and it tends to be rooted on rooted in these set of best practices that they put together and tailor towards your business. And where I know a lot of customers do that, and they've had success in the past with it. What what I find that's different about what we do is that we're our experience is rooted in having done it, having been in the seat, which is different than having experience, having run these programs as a consultant on be in a bunch of customers. Like it's not the same situation and it's not the same, mm -hmm. uh, like it's, it's nuanced. Maybe, I don't know, but there's a level of detail that, that makes it different. And I want to avoid any attempts that we might make at defining a strategy that could apply to lots of customers, I, I wouldn't want it to become this like generified thing that isn't tailored, isn't specific, isn't drawing on the uniqueness of the organization and amplifying the strengths of the of the business. Um, and so may, I don't know if that's just like a fine line, and I'm I'm splitting hairs here, or if there's really something here 
that is different. I totally agree with you, Brian. And I I don't think it's a subtle difference. I think it's a significant difference because there is a pragmatic, practical way of implementing something, right? And having an ideal framework. There is a difference between those two. And I think what you're describing is that in what we have seen with in our conversation, in conversations with our peers on the team, is that we all bring a unique perspective based on our own experiences, taking our own enterprises through those journey, right? And there are differences in how we approach a lot of things uh, because there is an ideal state and then there is practicality of your context and we have, we have lived through that. So um, I think that's a very important point because we can look at those different scenarios and say monolith to microservices, like let's just take one example, right? It's not a zero or one. It's not either or, right? And uh, um, and we can actually, because we've lived through that, right? In a typical enterprise, you have thousands of application, you, you, you're going to have still some client server, some third-party product. You're not going to go and start building everything from scratch tomorrow um, and, and go to microservices in, in, in one swoop. Uh, you might, in fact, you may choose and say, I'm not going to do it all for this part of my estate, right? Because it doesn't just make sense or there is no value. Uh, and I think we can look at it from a practical sense to uh, walk customer through our own example uh, to say how we approach that decision because it's all about decision points at different part in the journey. So I agree that it does not have to be, I'm not thinking about a common framework type playbook, what you describe as what you will typically get in consulting type engagement. But I'm talking more about as a scenario based, um, based on our practical experience to say, here are the typical scenarios uh, that we have seen based on our first and experience. And here's how we have approached it. So it sounds like you're saying, you know, there are many different strategies depending on the, the, the needs of the organization, but perhaps there's a finite number, like we could categorize them. And then for each of them, there are known, I don't want to say set in stone, but kind of very well-known kind of concrete uh, uh, tactics that are known to work to, to achieve those strategies. Correct. Yes. Would that be a, a fair uh, kind of summary of what you said? Yeah, but I think it's, it's where it comes down to being really honest, right, on all sides. Um, in a previous podcast, I should use the example of like going to the doctor and um, saying, well, I want to be as healthy as possible, but eating healthy and exercise are off the table. I'm not doing that, <laughs> you know? Um, and I loved the analogy. Um, That's what I say to my doctor regularly. <laughs> but Brian, I think hey, that's man. so appropriate to this conversation because that's it is. precisely what's happening, right? We're, we're being Correct. asked, what's the silver, silver bullet here? Because figuring this out is hard. Just give me the answer, right? And the right. bottom line is that kind of an answer doesn't really exist. There's going to be some level of effort. Yeah, but it's. I think that, again, that goes back to kind of where we started, which is why it makes it hard to be one size fits all because you get people coming in saying, give me the strategy, but eating healthy and exercise are off the table. And you're like, well, right. now I have to customize all of the best practices and all the things that we know to work because we now can't address your your diet and whatever else, right? Right, but I think that is also where uh, – having that honest conversation to say, this is a ramp to go from here to there. And once you reach there, that there is no there. This is not a destination. I mean, when we, each one of us, we talk about our journey, would you say that I, 
you were done, like quote unquote, I'm doing yeah. the air quotes here, right? Uh, for listeners who cannot see, <laughs> but we are not done. There is nothing called done state. No. And at any point in that ramp, you will start to realize benefit. But at any point in that ramp, you can also stop and say, I am no longer willing to climb this ramp anymore because of whatever reason. Mm-hmm. The The thing is your expectation has to match your reality at that point. And that's the benefit you're going to realize. I, I, I agree with that completely. I would take that a step farther and even generalize and say, uh, b- building on what you said, the, the, the goal is not, there is no goal besides the ability to change. This is what we're really boiling this down to is like, you want to get to a state where you can change at will. Um, and, and by definition, that's not a destination. That's the ability to kind of, uh, not be stuck at a destination essentially. Yes. But it, it, the kind of the reason I brought that up though, is, is it requires that honesty, right? It, It requires that difficult conversation. We need to have that put the conflict on the table and be like, look, here are the things that you have to adjust that you may be unwilling to, you know, adjust or or whatever. But it's, I think that we, our team tries very hard to have those difficult conversations with customers. I think it's maybe more difficult for others too, because we're coming from a, a position of having been in their shoes. Um, I think others, whether you're, you know, consultants or partners or whatever else, I've I've seen varying degrees of that uh, difficult conversation. I'd say. I, I think there is also another aspect to this. Uh, it's the skin in the game, right? So when it is uh, when it is about give me a strategy or give me a document, there's not much skin in the game. I think when you participate in building that then I think A, it will be much more useful and helpful, right, to uh, to you because we are building it uh, in the context and together based on scenarios, based on our experience, but based on what we are learning about the customer situation. Definitely. Yeah. Because it, it, what if the, the, the ask without that, the one that we get uh, from time to time, which is give me the strategy, is basically like do my homework for me, you know? <laughs> I, that's the impression I get. Give me a document I can pass on, you know, to 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 whoever's asking me to put together this strategy. But it, when you do that, you know, you're not invested in it. You're not there's, and I think this might be one of the points you're making here, shit, right? Even if it's the exact same strategy, if you have, if you put your name on it and you put your work into it, you're gonna you're gonna fight to make that work, right? You have you're invested in it. Whereas if it's like, oh, AWS gave me the strategy, let's see if it works. It's like, you kind of don't care. If it doesn't work well, AWS didn't work, right? But nobody wants to say my strategy didn't work. So they're going to fight on the execution side to actually make it successful. Exactly. And and I think it's also, I mean, look, traditionally, and I think we're, we're going a little bit on a theoretical, historical journey, but traditionally, right, what has happened is... Uh, Companies have relied on third party and external, especially the consulting engagement, also as a blanket of comfort and a risk strategy, right? right? Where a CXO or a board would accept and say, hey, we brought in so and so to help us do this. Um, and so several million dollars and a few years later, if that didn't pan out, then we now need to get X, Y, Z instead of ABC to help us do that. That's right. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think, well, so I think we're talking about a couple, maybe two different things. One is maybe the CYA type of situation, right? Where you're someone else, it's someone else's strategy so that you're not the one on the hook. Which by the way, I think that what is everyone else doing question is largely that as well, right? Well, well, the other, the other scenario that I've definitely seen is that there are cultures, organizations where um, that outside perspective is almost valued more than the inside. It's like the experts are on the outside. Totally. We have operators or whatever else, but we need to go to the experts. And so, they're willing to pay all that money, even if it's like I've seen situations where we you're validating, you come back and and have just spent a lot of money to confirm the thing I already told you. And but like that's the culture and so true. So I, yeah, but yeah. but that's a and and if it is done for that reason, right, Brian? In fact, if you um have you have you guys read the John Carter's book on on change? Uh, I forgot the title of the book, but he has the eight. Uh, eight steps of change. And he actually recommends that if you're trying to influence and create this positive sense of urgency, right? If you're trying to drive the sense of urgency and influence the change, sometimes getting external data point or somebody else to come in outside and tell the rest of your stakeholders that it is important to change and here is why uh, is helpful. So if it is used as a tool to inspire, motivate and get buy-in, that's fantastic. But if it is used as a tool to sort of isolate yourself from the consequences of what's going to happen, right? That's that's a different reason to do that. In fact, it's we all sought external data points, external thoughts. I mean, I I, I didn't when For I sure. started working, I didn't I was I started in mainframe. So I was far away from uh club, right? <laughs> uh and and I learned a lot by talking to other people. Right. And I and I think it it is super necessary to get that outside perspective and and if for nothing else to take you out of your environment and uh, it's it's very easy to kind of get caught up in in the world that has that is your business mm-hmm. and so I think if nothing else yeah getting outside of that is really important but I think the things that you've said along the way uh, or we've said is that it is about making it your own it is about gathering that information and educating yourself on um, best practices and various other things, but then ultimately developing your strategy based on your business and what you need to accomplish. Yeah. And I would also say that um, perhaps there's more value in the process of creating your strategy in actually having a strategy, right? It's like the old Eisenhower quote, uh, the plan is useless, but planning is everything. Right. it's true. You know, it's, it's, I think that's true with strategy that. as well. Like th- that process of creating that strategy, you're going to discover so many things uh, about, yes. you know, just clarifying your thinking, understanding what the requirements are, understanding what reality is, um, challenging assumptions. And, uh, you know, when you go through that process, it's always amazing. At least to me, I'm always amazed how many of my assumptions, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yes. were not valid, right? Just by going through that process. And so by skipping that process and having someone just give you a strategy, you're kind of cheating yourself out of all of those learnings. Yeah. Well, I think that's where we we respond with the quick start of like, hey, here are the best practices and things to consider. And then do exactly what you're saying is help them go through that process have that learning. I would not trade 
for a second. I dove deep and I fully owned my cloud strategy and I would not change it for a second. I learned so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it, Jake. Uh, I love the fact what you just said that the, it's not the being it's the the outcome of getting a strategy is not as valuable actually as going and having the process of going through building that strategy because that's what you will need when you go to execute that strategy right because you will have to figure out how you're going to navigate and you would have been part of digging down deep into those questions so i i love that excellent Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and remember to submit your questions on the AWS Executive Insights website or directly to us on LinkedIn, and we'll do our best to answer them in future episodes. See you next time.